0: Welcome to the AIPT Movies Podcast with your host, Alex Harris, and with them as always are Tim Geiner and Matt Paul.
1: It's all for you, for you Damien. Team. Ooh, jinx.
2: <laughs>
1: so good. Oh, Alex, you might appreciate this real quick. Yeah. So my work sent me a Ubic key for security for your computer. Okay. Uh, there's a problem with the Mac they sent me. It's USB-C. This is (sighs) USB-A. I love corporate America.
0: Classic. I don't even
1: know what that means. Incompatible inputs. Yeah. Uh, The male part can't fit into the female part.
2: (laughs) Isn't that always the way? (laughs) Whoa.
1: (laughs) And that's where we start. And that's some weird snake stuff.
3: Anyway.
0: (laughs) Anyway, hello and welcome to the AIPT Movies Podcast. I'm Alex Harris. I'm an independent writer slash director. You may know me from my movie about a doctor who injects himself with the powers of an electric car in an attempt to cure his ambiguously fatal illness. The dark superhero thriller, Morpheus. <clears throat>
1: Miles to gallon ratio is huge. <laughs> Hi, I'm Tim Gardner, man Dr. suit, actor, contortionist, mime, green suit guy. You may know me from my work in Turbo Kid. You know that part where the buzzsaw guy, Skeletron, was on his bike chasing Turbo Kid and Skeletron looks especially tall, slender, and physically fit in that scene?
3: Yeah!
2: Well, I played Skeletron's bike. <laughs> Hi, I'm Matt Paul, and I'm just a guy on a podcast. I'm certainly not a script doctor and anyone who says I am should be forced into a role they totally don't belong in. Speaking of Michael Keaton in The Protégé, did I tell you guys they originally wanted a younger actor for Keaton's part in the movie? I was like, that's so sexist and insulting to Maggie Q to say that she should be the protege to a man her age. So I insisted they cast Keaton instead. Then I finally read the script and saw that Maggie is supposed to be the protege of Sam Jackson's character, and I had gotten Keaton cast as the villain she's supposed to have serious sexual chemistry with. Whoopsie. Oh, well. So in order to make their father-daughter dynamic seem more like a (laughs) daddy-daughter dynamic, I just made sure their dialogue was super sexy with lines like, Are you going to shoot me or fuck me? So that no one could possibly question their enemies with benefits relationship. Coincidentally, I did also suggest enemies with benefits as the title, thinking it would better describe the movie, but no. Can you guys believe that?
0: Unfortunately, Matt, I can.
2: Anyway, speaking of being screwed by your elders... (sighs) I decided I had to do something about my Uncle Pentor stealing my Fast Duel script, the dramatic retelling of the real-life feud between Vin Diesel and Dwayne Johnson while making the Fast movies. So I went over my uncle's head and talked to the potential producers myself. When it seemed like they were interested in making it with or without my involvement, I called up our buddy Vin Diesel, who Tim met while playing Vin's lifts. Anytime Vin stood next to Dwayne Johnson, and then I reached out to Dwayne Johnson, who charges up at the same Hertz rental car station as Tom Brady, and my script doctor friend, the sentient AI Skynet, and told both of them about the movie. They were pissed. Well, (laughs) Vin was pissed. Johnson just kind of stared at me and started playing a song on Spotify that he thought I requested, but... Eventually, he got it. Take that, Uncle Pentor. Vin and Duane probably use their influence to tank the entire project. That's what he gets. I do everything my uncle asks, get no credit at all, and just hang out in the back room at Trader Joe's and post pictures of other people's signs on Instagram so people think I do it all day. It sucks. Uncle Pentor sucks, and I'm not afraid who knows it. Oh shit, it's Uncle Pentor. I'm terrified of him. Guys, what do I say?
0: N-nothing! Don't answer!
2: Okay, I won't. Good idea.
3: I'm putting this whole fucking town in my
0: review. Uh, I'm getting I'm a call from an unknown number. number. The area code is just I'm three S's, like, like s-
2: That's Beverly Hills. It I'm must be Uncle Pentor. Don't answer!
0: I don't know, it, it could be one of the producers of my upcoming movie red. about a giant snake I'm that becomes a championship ton boxer, ton Rocky Balboa I'm Constrictor. I I think I should take it. Don't do it.
3: I'm putting this whole fucking time.
0: Hello? Who is this? Do what I want or you're finished in this town. James Corden?
1: (laughs) Stop stalling poor man, Zooey Ball. Give the damn phone to my nephew now.
0: Jeez, that was unnecessary. Okay.
2: Don't. I don't want to talk to... Hi, Yonkey. (laughs) Did you try calling me? I'm sorry. I was busy telling everyone how much I'm not horrified by you slowly shedding your skin in the middle of family dinners. Don't play games with me,
1: Matthew. You ungrateful little gata snake. You got Vin and Dwayne to kill my fast duel project? Vin even kicked me out of his D&D campaign. Now I'll never get to the 25th level. And now Johnson won't let me use him as a charger whenever my phone is running low. I should have you stripped of your royal
3: privileges for this.
2: Well, maybe you shouldn't be such a butt-face, man.
3: Excuse me?
2: I know, I know. That was too harsh. I'm sorry, Uncle Pentor. I... Wait. What do you mean, royal privileges? Is my mom, Cobra, a lot of royalty or something?
1: Shit. No. No, of course not. The fact that her maiden name is Golobulus is just a coincidence. That's like Smith down here. I just meant, you're a royal pain in my rattler, and I'm going to revoke your pool privileges. No more pool bodies at the Slither Villa, and that includes
2: my hot tub. <gasps> You'd ban me from the Cobra Coosie? How can you be so heartless? I am not heartless.
1: It's just a protective sack and moves around my body a little to protect me from predators. And you had it coming. You've been especially ungrateful for everything I've done for you lately. Ever since you started working on this stupid podcast with these two losers. Not Tim, of course. He played the Coppetucker and Tucker in The Batman, so I guess he's on the rise. But that other guy is so pathetic, he qualifies as multiple losers. I waited all the way through the credits of Many Saints of Newark so I could watch this stupid Italian ghost movie, The Gabbagool. And not only was it awful, but I had to watch all of the Many Saints of Newark to see it.
2: I had been through enough. Well, you shouldn't have taken my Fast Duel script and tried to sell it without me. I worked really hard on that, and I, and I think it's my best writing in probably 20 years. And you must agree if you went through so much trouble to sell it behind my back.
3: Rhapseticus is Lord.
2: Don't try to distract me by referring to me by my Cobalarian name. My name is Matt. Fine. Fine.
1: I should have included you, you're right. But that doesn't give you permission to ruin our working relationship and everything I've built. I tried to get Mr. Freeze to come by and smoke cold cigars with me the other day, but he was busy going to your stupid Live at Chili's episode. You know I hate Chili's. Those monsters put country fried
3: snake on the menu.
2: It's country fried steak, or at least I hope it is.
1: Even if it is, it's obviously a play on words about the horrifying Alabama snake frying incident of 1974. I won't be associated with a corporation that thinks anything that close to sounding like ritualistic snake murder is worth putting on a menu. Frankly, it disgusts me that you support those
2: monsters. You've asked me to do a lot of messed up things, Uncle Pentor, But asking me to turn my back on Chili's? Who do you think you are?
1: Enough! It doesn't matter. The damage has been done. I'll let this all go this time, but you're on thin ice, nephew. And us reptilians don't do well in the cold.
2: Um, I think that was the wrong number. Here's your phone
0: back, Alex. Why is it covered in sweat? Anyway, uh, once again, in an affront to my belief that I am simply not enough even for myself, we have some corrections from the previous episode. First, some people don't believe we were actually at Chili's in last week's live episode and that we were just in our usual studio with crowd noises added in. That's deeply offensive to me, but there's a degree of truth, I must admit. We did technically record the episode in the same place as our previous episodes, because our podcast studio is actually the break room at the Braintree Chili's. That's why so many of our friends just pop by in random episodes. They just want to grab a bite and decided to come back and say hello. I mean, with deals like the three for 1099 special, who can blame them? In fact, many of our audio issues over the last 30 episodes have been due to Chili's employees coming back here to eat during their breaks.
3: Oh, hey guys, you recording an episode?
0: For the 20th time, yes we are, Ellison. It's Elliot. Elliot.
3: Oh, okay, well, don't want to disturb you guys.
0: You already have, Elliot, you're literally disturbing us right now.
3: Oops, my bad. Let me just uh, sneak in the mini fruit here real quick.
2: Wait, are you actually Elliot, or are you that Wilson Montanero guy in disguise again?
3: No, huh? Yeah, I'm the real me, as, as far as I know. Uh, Want to give my face a quick tongue to prove it? Give my cheek a good wiggle. Do the old thing with my lips.
2: I'll take your word for it. What did Wilson do to you? We were worried he killed you or something. Well, I don't know if worried is the right word. The possibility occurred to us, at least.
3: Oh, he just came by my house disguised as the Chili's mascot. Chevy Piper the Chili Pepper. Saying I had won some waiter of the decade award, and then I got an all-expenses-paid trip to the Chili's corporate headquarters to have whatever I want off the secret menu—you know, the one that still has mozzarella sticks and country fried chicken on it. Don't tell anybody. <laughs> so I did what anyone would do: just climbed into the Chevy Piper's trunk, and next thing I know, I woke up in a ditch, I had to claw my way out of the ground, gasping for air. It was the darndest thing.
0: Yeah, sounds real harrowing, Elliot. Can you just can you just take your lunch and leave?
2: That reminds me Tim, why didn't Wilson Montanaro behead you when you guys were dueling after the end of last week's episode? He totally had you at one point and could have taken you out, but instead he stopped, started crying briefly, and made up some excuse about the ghost of Stan Winston, asking him to go buy some foam rubber mix and then Wilson just ran away. What was up with that? What do you mean? I'm sure he did have
1: to go grab some foam rubber mix. I mean, I have visions of Stan Winston's ghost all the time, giving me advice, asking me to track down elusive FX legend Rob Oteen and demand he apologize for overshadowing
2: the one effects Winston and John Carpenter's the thing. You know, huge. I don't know. If you ask me, it seems like he purposely decided not to kill you, Tim. As someone who frequently decides not to murder you, I kind of know what it looks like. But why wouldn't he want to kill me? He hates me! He's my self
1: identified arch nemesis! A total disgrace to the Montanero name to boot! Not his dad or anything. I mean, the famous suit actor and my former mentor, Montgomery Nero.
3: Oh! Oh, oh, wow! Hey, guys, this is some exciting stuff here, guys! Elmer!
0: It's Elliot. Elliot, can you please take your Mama Celeste pizza and eat it somewhere else? I, I don't even understand why you eat that junk for lunch when you could have some delicious Chili's Cajun Chicken Pasta. Which reminds me, while you're out there, can you get me some Cajun Chicken Pasta?
3: Oh, yeah, sure thing, Alex! Break a leg, or se- sever a vocal cord, or whatever they say in the podcasting biz. Hey, Matt, you want any of the Mama Celeste pizza? I left it in there extra long, so the cheese is extra crusty.
2: Just get me an El Nino margarita and get out of here, smelly it. It's Elliot. I know.
0: <laughs> anyway, as we were saying before we were so rudely interrupted, we really were live at Chili's in the last episode, just like we technically always are. As for the crowd noises coming in and out, well, I've been editing this podcast for a while now. I've learned a lot in the process and kind of know how to get unwanted noise out of the audio if I really want to, okay? I, I mean, can you ever hear the sound of me sobbing in the background whenever someone other than me is talking? I didn't think so.
1: Moving on to the other <laughs> corrections, we'd like to make it clear. It's fine to see Morbius. We just find the Sony-verse to be way too transparent of a marketing scheme. They're not even trying to hide the fact that their goal is to use familiar IP to make money without particularly caring about quality or respecting the source material. But if you enjoy the movie, it's not your fault that people with power aren't using their power responsibly. Also, Alex said Mega Blaster instead of Mega Buster when comparing Turbo Kid to the Mega Man games. But, I mean, what do you expect from someone who doesn't know the difference between Dr.
2: Wily and Mr. X?
3: <laughs> what? Yeah, they don't look anything alike!
2: <laughs> Alex also mentioned that Much like Turbo Kid, a lot of movies are set in the future of 1997, and although it didn't turn out to be a lot exactly, there are a few notable examples, such as Das Arch Noah Prinzip, Roland Emmerich's college thesis film, Crimes of the Future by David Cronenberg, John Carpenter's Escape from New York. Hong Kong 97 from Cyborg and Nemesis director Albert Pune, and as we mentioned Predator 2. Finally, I'd like to apologize for not mentioning my real favorite Chili's memory in the last episode. My real favorite Chili's memory was watching Tim get his ass handed to him by Wilson Montanaro.
1: What? Why would you why would you enjoy that so much?
2: Isn't it obvious? Sorry, I cut myself shaving earlier, and the band-aid I had on was making my neck and chin really itchy. Oh, I'm sorry, did you think I was going to rip off my face and be Wilson in disguise? No, it's just me. I just liked it.
0: Wow, I, I feel like we learned a lot today. That's it for corrections, let's move on to some news. Sonic the Hedgehog 2 came in at number one during its first weekend, while Michael Bay's ambulance has seemingly flopped. Showing that although he seems nice, Sonic doesn't pull over to let ambulances pass. it's all those chili dogs.
1: (laughs) Idris Elba says he sold weed to Dave Chappelle before he got famous. Meanwhile, Seth Rogen confirms he sold weed to Dave Chappelle last week.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's not even that dark. I mean, he has a company that does it, you you know?
2: Jurassic World Dominion will introduce the Gigantosaurus, a dinosaur that's supposedly similar to the Joker. Primarily because the Gigantosaurus also bombed at an open mic night.
0: (laughs) (laughs) In surprising news, Brie Larson has joined the cast of Fast 10, joining other new cast members Jason Momoa and Daniela Melchior. Honestly, this cast is pretty impressive, so I'm going to stop making fun of it now and go back to looking forward to more of this series like I was before I was disappointed by Fast 9. So, much like everyone who has it out for him in the movies... Dom Toretto has won me over again. How does that lovable goof do it? It's
1: all about family, man. Viva la, all familia. About family. <laughs> la
0: familia! La <laughs> familia.
1: Up and coming director Mark Malloy is going to make the long delayed Beverly Hills Cop 4 for Netflix. Not only is Eddie Murphy returning as Axel Foley, but he's also playing Papa Foley, Mama Foley, Grandma Foley, and of course, the family's pastor, Holy Foley. Foley. <laughs>
2: The
0: Clumps. (laughs) Beverly Hills Clump. Hey,
2: James Marsden is down to return as Cyclops in the MCU's X-Men. He said he hasn't heard anything official, but he's going to keep his eye open. I'm just shaking my head. (laughs) (laughs) SMH.
0: Will Smith says he accepts being banned from the Oscars for the next 10 years. Oh, how noble of him. For the record, I also accept being banned from the Oscars for the rest of my life, I'm assuming.
1: (laughs) An adaptation of Josh Blaylock's Mercy Sparks comic series is in the works with Laura Kassan writing the script. The general concept has been pitched as a female version of DC's John Constantine, or, in more cynical terms, a version of Constantine that male viewers can picture pleasuring them sexually. Which is ironic,
2: because that's actually just regular John Constantine. (laughs) (laughs)
0: A <laughs> dude just gets around he does
2: <laughs> Jake Gyllenhaal says he always wanted to be in a Michael Bay movie Gyllenhaal was so determined he even pulled a Megan Fox and washed Michael Bay's car in a bikini
0: <laughs> hope they rolled tape on that <laughs> In additional Michael Bay news, Bay says he is interested in making a superhero movie, but probably not from Marvel or DC. I just want to say it's a damn shame that Rob Liefeld messed up the Youngblood rights because Michael Bay would make an amazing Youngblood movie. Mm, That's true. Not even Michael Bay can draw feet. (laughs) They just keep exploding throughout the whole movie.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Some odd reason the explosion smoke is always at foot level. (laughs) Mad God, the stop-motion animated film from visual effects legend Phil Tippett, will be released on a streaming service, Shudder, on June 16th. We have no joke,
2: we just thought people should know that because Phil Tippett rules. Hell yeah. Jennifer Lopez and Josh Duhamel's action rom-com, Shotgun Wedding, will be released on Prime Video. They aren't sure if Prime was the best option, but the movie was about to come out and their parents never would have forgiven them if they didn't have a proper distribution deal before then. (laughs)
0: It's not just a clever title. (laughs) That was the movie that uh, Army Hammer was supposed to be in, but Uh, they took him out real last minute. I wonder why. (laughs) Hmm. His misfortune is Josh Demel's, you know, fortune. (laughs) It has been reported that while filming the Morbius movie, Jared Leto insisted on using crutches or a wheelchair in order to stay in character between takes. Morbius director Daniel Espinosa confirmed that this is actually true and that Jared Leto is in fact a dickhead. I mean method actor.
2: He's a dickhead. He's a dickhead.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I mean I guess they're both true. They're interchangeable. Oh, that reminds me, did you know that Mads Mikkelsen like had this whole interview recently where he talked about how like ridiculous method acting is and how like yeah. stupid it is?
1: Yeah, yeah. It was, uh, I think it was Mads Mikkel somebody else too was coming Yeah
0: there was on, some other know. actor that jumped on And I can't remember who it was but
1: good for Mads It's kind of, it's kind of like the old Laurence Olivier story like when Dustin Hoffman Stayed up really like didn't sleep <laughs> Just be, look haggard And like Laurence Olivier was just like Try acting <laughs> Anyway <clears throat> That's a good story It's
0: terribly paraphrased That's it for news let's move on to new releases New in theaters is Fantastic Beasts, The Secrets of Dumbledore. (laughs) Albus Dumbledore assigns Newt and his allies with a mission related to the rising power of Grindelwald. Is it Grindelwald? Grindelwald. Grindelwald. The fantasy adventure is directed by David Yates. It stars Eddie Redmayne, Catherine Waterston, Dan Fogler, Alison Sudol, Jude Law, and Mads Mikkelsen, replacing Johnny Depp. Speaking of Mads. Also, I, I love Dan Fogler for like, I don't know why, but I love him, and I, I, I hope that this helps him do more cool stuff.
1: What well, the French would call the I don't know why. Yeah. <laughs> New in theaters is Father Stew, the true life story of boxer-turned-priest Father Stuart Long, whose journey from self-destruction to redemption inspired countless people along the way. The biopic is written and directed by Rosalind Ross. It stars Mark say hi to your mother for me Wahlberg, <laughs> Mel Gibson, Jackie Weaver, Annette Mandaru. Teresa Ruiz,
2: and Winter Avezoli. Um, Wow, I just read this um, synopsis, and it is not right? what I... Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> New in theaters is Duel. A woman opts for a cloning procedure after she receives a terminal diagnosis, but when she recovers, her attempts to have her clone decommissioned fail, leading to a court-mandated duel to the death. So, I get it. It's like dual, like they're fighting, but it's also <laughs> dual because there's two of them. Yeah. Oop. Wow. Good job, guys. <laughs> the sci-fi thriller is written and directed by Riley Stearns. It stars Karen Gillen, my cousin Aaron Paul, Jesse Eisenberg, Beula Coley, Theo James, and Maya Panio.
0: I've seen nothing from that, but that sounds pretty cool.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I just think it's funny where it's just like,
1: that. sorry, dems the rules nowadays. You can't have a clone <laughs> and you living at the same time. Nope. But, I, what? One must but I'm i the
3: original. Eh, whatever. <laughs> yeah, but I ain't
0: better. I don't know. We got to fight it out. See which one wins. <laughs> and by the way, when I say that sounds cool, I don't mean C-U-A-L or C-U-E-L. I mean cool C-O-O-L. <laughs> oh, okay. Good. Thank you for clearing that up. New on iTunes is The Cellar. Kira Wood's daughter mysteriously vanishes in the cellar of their new house. She soon discovers there is an ancient and powerful entity controlling their home that she will have to face or risk losing her family's souls forever. The horror film is written and directed by Brendan Muldowney. It stars Alicia Cuthbert, Eon Mackin, Abby Fitz, and Dylan Fitzmaurice Brady. I love Alicia Cuthbert. I, I I wonder if that's good.
2: There's a reason I gave you that read. <laughs> Have you guys ever seen the show She Was In Happy Endings? Yeah, no. I like that show. It's so funny. It's so funny. It's
0: it's not super popular for some reason, but I thought it was really funny. And um, Damon Wayans Jr. is hilarious on oh, that show. Oh, he's
2: so funny in it.
1: Also new on iTunes is Room 203. Two best friends and roommates are terrified by the vengeful spirits dwelling in their apartment. The horror movie is written and directed by Ben Jagger and is based on the book written by Nanami Kamon. It stars Francesca Jureb, Victoria Vinyarska, and Eric Weigand. <laughs> <laughs> Weigand. I'm going to go with Eastern Europe and Scandinavian pronunciations. Because, what you
0: spell Victoria with a K? There you go. There you go. Good thinking. All right, that's it for new releases, which means it's time for What Did We Watch This Week? This guy breaks into my house. Holy!
2: <laughs> and he just sit down on the couch. <laughs> okay, but how about you, you let go of my wife first? And I've had to hold his hand. How does this open? Is there a trick to the purse? No! There's a clasp and help him rob us.
3: I want $150,000. You think that's enough? Yeah, I think you're probably gonna want more than that. I can get you the money
2: tomorrow. What? Why me? I owe you something, right?
1: You owe a death to a hell of a lot more people than just me. You're not a killer.
2: What you think you have to do next.
3: Please don't cross that line.
0: It came out on Netflix last month, but this week we watched Windfall. A man breaks into a tech billionaire's empty vacation home, but things go sideways when the arrogant mogul and his wife arrive for a last-minute getaway. The crime thriller drama is directed by Charlie McDowell, with a script by Justin Leder and Seven's Andrew Kevin Walker, based on a story by Charlie McDowell and Jason Siegel. It stars Jason Siegel, Lily Collins, the director's wife, Jesse Plemons, Omar Leva, and literally no one else. Yeah. So as a warning, I'm sure there will be spoilers as we discuss Windfall. So if you haven't seen it yet, you may want to pause this, watch the movie, and come back. As I said, it's on Netflix. Otherwise, let's dig right in. So, Matt and Tim, what are your favorite things about Windfall?
2: So this was a nice little surprise. I kinda loved this movie. Um. Yeah. It was very like, you know, simple, you know, film noir-y, it was very hitchcocky. Mm. Um I trademark that term. Um, yeah. <laughs> um I really liked how it um well, I guess I'll start from the beginning. I enjoyed the opening credits. I thought that was really cool. Yep. Yeah. Um how it how you just like it seemed like the way of them kind of in- introducing the house as like the main setting, you know. Um mm-hmm. I enjoyed the score very much. Um I thought it was just real, you know, kind of keeping in that old-timey noir slow-burn vibe. Um yeah, I liked it. I liked that it was, it, I feel like at the beginning, it was kind of like a little, like, kind of funny at times, like Jason Segel <laughs> kind of bumbling his way through, um, and then it kind of got, like, more serious, and then, like, super serious at the end, but, yeah, I liked the twists, some stuff you didn't really see coming. Um, I really liked Jason Segel's performance in it. I thought he was very mm-hmm. good. Um You know, I feel like most people think of him as a comedic actor, actor. Um, but, um, yeah, he was cool in it. Um, yeah, I like that it was kind of like a, I feel like it was a little bit of a commentary on like wealth and like, you know, um, societal roles currently. Um, and how obviously money doesn't make you happy in the least for kind of all that's all people involved. Um, right. And I mean, I have other stuff. The last thing I, I, I really liked, I just like movies that, like, this movie reminded me of, um, Before the Devil Knows You're Dead. I, I like movies that it's like people who don't usually commit crimes doing yeah. something like out of desperation and just fucking it up big time and then you just watch like the train wreck happen. I enjoyed that. <laughs>
0: yeah. Normal people turning to crime is is one of my favorite subgenres.
2: Yeah, um yeah, it was great. I I I liked that it was, you know, pretty short, just a slim hour and a half. Um I liked the, you know, the house. Jesus Christ, I want to live in that house. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it was a nice ass.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It was cool. It was a nice surprise. I liked it a lot.
1: Yeah, um, I don't know how much I can add to that because it really was like a nice surprise because of its simplicity and it's yeah. you know, noirish. I mean noirish I should say. Um I really think I I hope maybe I'd take that back. I think the Slim Down cast played into probably COVID. Filming yeah. restrictions yeah. really well, whether or not that was its intent before covid or not I, I think, think this was like a movie it was
2: like they filmed this movie because everybody was you know quarantining yeah. and it was like, let's just do something you know yeah, okay, to my so, understanding
0: it was pitched and everything during covid in mm-hmm. kind of response to covid
1: okay, well, then I think they did a hell of a job with it it was yep. fanta- you know it's it's perfect if you example. didn't know,
0: you wouldn't think of it. It's it's yeah. very well... It's contained, mm-hmm. but in a way that feels natural. Exactly. So you're never sitting there going, like, this is such a COVID movie or anything like that. <laughs> yeah. Right.
1: Right. You don't have... Because you see them in the shots. They share scenes. They share shots. Right. You know, it's not like those weird things where it's just like, no one's in the same shot with each other. Just <laughs> stand-alone you know, bust shots of them talking. Yeah. Um, yeah, no... Uh, so, yeah, I think it's, it's literally, not this, I don't mean this as a pejorative, but the simplistic nature of this film is incredibly refreshing. Mm. Um, I just, I don't know, I, just, like, it was, like, I was just pleasantly surprised by the whole thing, because I thought I was worried it'd be leaning too much into comedy, and like, I don't know if I feel like watching a comedy movie about a bungling burglar, but no, <laughs> it's yeah. those tonal shifts. Yeah. Fantastic. Especially, holy shit, at the end. I know. Uh, not to spoil anything, but shit gets real. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, plus, you know, it's always nice to see Jesse Plemons. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: Always love me some Matt Damon.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I agree with you guys. I didn't really know much about it other than my rough memory of reading the synopsis on this one of these episodes and that Matt suggested it um and i knew that Jesse Plemons and Jason Segel were in it but i i was very as soon as that opening credits hit i was like oh yeah. okay all right i i i think i know where this is going and i was like down and yeah it's it's it was just a really nice simple movie i think it's hard to make nice simple movies that don't seem forcefully simple yes and this one felt exactly as simple as it needed to be it didn't feel like they held anything back it felt just right which i thought was really cool i thought it was great hitchcock type vibes very tight directing i thought the cast was really great uh Plem i i've i've been a fan of jesse Plemons since friday night lights he was my boy landry um or uh <laughs> or lance as coach taylor always called him and <laughs> It's cool to see him doing so well and getting like a lot of great moody like meaty parts. And he did such a good job playing a douchey rich guy like I like down to even some really small details like how much he couldn't stand being told no. Yeah. (laughs) You know, like just like these little things I thought were really great. Um, I thought I I thought he kind of stole the movie for me personally in a way just because I felt like he just really disappeared into that character. Um, Jason Siegel I thought was great. Sometimes I, I, I don't know, I have weird I have a weird thing with Jason Siegel where sometimes like I feel like you can tell he's acting, and then other times he seems like he's really just the person, you know? Like I I, I always feel like he he's always either obviously acting or surprisingly disappeared into his part. And sometimes it can be the same thing within two scenes of each other. Mm-hmm. Um but like I did really think he had one of the best I look exhausted performances I've ever seen. Like, like he constantly looked like he needed to sleep for a month, yeah. which I thought was, was good. And I think was purposeful. Um, and I, and I do just think that Siegel has like a, a very like open vibe all the time. He seems like he seems very not guarded, even though his character seemed guarded in the movie in a way. Um, but yeah, I thought he was great. And I thought Lily Collins was great too. I thought she was great. And I, I think they leaned into how pretty she is as if, like, she's someone who's never taken seriously because she's so pretty. Mm. Um, I thought that they kind of put that into the movie, especially as it went on. Uh, I thought the cinematography was great and very simple. I loved when they were watching three amigos together. <laughs> that, that cracked me up. Um, I think the score really was easily one of the best parts of the entire movie. As you mentioned, Matt. It was done by two people. I can't remember their names. Danny, um, Bensi, and Sonder Jurians. Thank you, Tim. Yeah. Great job. A, a f- fantastic score. Um, the guy who played the Gardener was great, too. Yeah. Omar. Omar. He, he did a lot, and he, he was such, like, a sweet man. and He was
2: so, like, earnest and like, oh, can you look at my yeah. plan for the tree?
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, he's like, check this out. It's going
1: to be
2: great.
0: And, like, I will say, and and I guess since... I'm sure a lot of people by now tend to watch the movies and we do give spoiler warnings but I I'll, I'll try to be somewhat vague with this movie just cuz I think that the the reveals are so cool but I will say what happened with the gardener I did not see coming. No. That, like I, the 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 ending of the movie I kind of saw coming in like slightly especially within like the very lead up to it but oh, sure. the gardener scene I did not that Uh, completely shocked me
2: (laughs) like that was like the thing that happened that like was like okay there's like no turning back from this for any of them you know
0: the script handled that really well and how everyone reacted to it Mm -hmm. and i and i i thought it was very revealing how jason siegel's character reacted uh and, and i it it kind of made me empathize with him a lot more than i already did um and and speaking of that scene, the the standoff with the gun, I thought was done really well. I thought both Jason Siegel and Jesse Plemons were really really good in that scene.
1: You mean those? Maybe it's like your meaningless scene.
0: Yeah, like when he has yeah. the when he's just holding the gun right before the other yes. thing. Yes, yes, yes. Um, I thought that was done really well, and it seems it seemed fairly real to me. It seemed like the kind of thing someone like Jesse Plemons' character would say and do to someone like Jason Siegel's character. Absolutely. Um. And I also really love for some reason, I really love the scene with Lily Collins walking out to the money and like thinking of flagging down the car, but like just getting out like a sound before the car just like zoomed by. Mm -hmm. I I really like that. I thought that was a really cool scene. I thought it was done really well. Good tension. Yeah. Yeah. And and the thing like, as you said, it does almost seem like it's going to be a comedy at first. Yeah and I think that helps. I think it really helps you kind of break down your your guard and get comfortable with the movie thinking like, "Oh, are they going to all end up best friends or something?" <laughs> and especially when them throwing in like three amigos, like they they definitely tried mm-hmm. to kind of subvert your expectations and make you think that this is going to be like a happy ending or something. Yeah. So when things get more serious and tense, it it catches you off guard more, which I thought was really smart. Do you have any honorable mentions or things you had mixed emotions about, sometimes known as the cronies, in honor of the director David Cronenberg?
2: I had mixed emotions about just the way in which what happened to the gardener happened.
3: (laughs) Yeah. Do you know
2: what I mean? It was just kind of like, it was a little goofy. It was like, I don't know how this would happen in real life. It was (laughs) (laughs) still... it was it, sudden. was it was very sudden it was very shocking it was very like oh shit um <laughs> but something about it was like yeah i don't know how that really worked um like like the physics of it like
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah
2: um but it was still you know a cool part of the movie and it you know it came out of nowhere. It was, still, nowhere. Effective, it was still effective. It was still effective. Yes.
0: Yeah, just the mechanics of it were a little forced. I'd Yes. Say.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, you,
1: no, I don't have anything to add. I was going to say the same thing. Uh, the the gardener.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Mm. For me, I had a couple like little honorable mentions. Uh, is <laughs> Jason Siegel pissing in the shower in the beginning? <laughs> yeah. Uh, cracked me up. Um, I like that. It showed that like. It shows you that even though he's because we don't really know exactly what's going on at that point, but it shows that even though he's clearly in someone else's home and taking things from them, he's clearly not that bad of a guy because the worst thing he can convince himself to do is pee in their shower.
2: Yeah, right.
0: Um, I thought that was a good it, it was funny and it was actually a very revealing character moment. And I liked how they uh, another Umble mention is definitely how it points. It almost seemed like Jason Siegel was the hostage. And I like how at points it seemed like everyone was gonna turn on Jesse Clemens. It seemed like everyone, yeah. even even when the Gardener, when all four of them were there, it really seemed like at one point everyone was gonna turn on him because he was just being so insufferable. Yeah. Um and, and including when he subtly acts asks his wife to seduce Jason Siegel. I know. Was that very, was like messed what up. An asshole. But what a wonderfully revealing character moments at the same time and it also was revealing that she was like she considered doing it and then changed her mind Mm -hmm. um and yeah like you mentioned matt that there were like theme there were a lot of themes about like classism and inequality i feel like there was a more specific point they were trying to make that i don't know exactly what it was and you know, obviously, like, oh, these people have money and they don't appreciate it. This person wants money and this person's willing to do whatever for money. And and this guy maybe sees his wife as more of a possession than a partner. You know, there's all this stuff, but I, I feel like they were trying to some- say something very more succinct and I just never figured out exactly what it was. Mm. Um, So I guess I wish that was a little more clear, Um, even though I like those themes a lot. And I will say... I had major cronies about the end, not because it wasn't good, right? Because it was, yes, but it is. one half of that did not make sense to me. Other than, other than that person, you know, being like, "I have to do this in order for everything to work out." Yeah. Other than that, one half of that, I was like, "Really." It really seemed like you felt the opposite way about that person pretty much the you know for most of the time.
2: I think that when she when he's walking out with the money and she says something about her tattoo and how she really liked it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like that was her trying to like appeal to him as like you know it was the two of them against
0: Oh.
2: Her husband, you know, like... That's a good observation. Like, And she like, felt,
0: like, rejected by him in that moment, so yeah. she was like, never mind.
2: Yeah. And good then thinking. Jason Siegel is just like, fuck you.
0: Yeah, I don't care. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, again, it was a good ending. I just was kind of confused, but you're right. I'm sure that's what's going on. And I will say that as soon as that all happened, it occurred to me what, why it's called Windfall, Right? Because you know, <laughs> because
1: She's someone is get...
0: due a serious financial windfall. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. I,
1: I was like, oh, there you go. That's why. It's about opportunity.
0: Yep.
2: And it was seized.
0: <laughs> <laughs> what didn't you like about windfall? Was there anything that confused you?
2: I watched this with Diana, um, my wife Diana, for our one listener who doesn't know us personally. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and she really liked it too but she has this really cute thing she does with almost every movie when it ends <sighs> where she says so what happens now?
0: <laughs> Diana,
2: I know. That is cute. It is cute. And yeah, I mean maybe there's definitely like certain things about the movie that you know, you don't really know where Jason Siegel's character is coming from. Like, there's, like, right. no information. I mean, you, it's, it's kind of, you know, obvious that he worked for one of the companies that, you know, whatever J- Jesse Plemons does, you know, he was fired or something. But I kind of liked, I mean, I wouldn't say that any of that was confusing. Um, I think all the questions were much like, Tatan, I think a lot of the <laughs> questions were like maybe things you're like, huh, interesting. I wonder what, but it's nothing that you have to know, you know.
1: Right. I mean, yeah, I don't. I guess I don't really have that much to. I like the movie. um It's not by far not a perfect movie, but nothing really stands out for me to like. You know, solo out other than like, I don't know. It it, it, it had a perfect runtime, you know, like. <laughs> I didn't feel like I needed more. I didn't feel I, I thought that the story was complete for me. So I I, I guess that's just uh, that's just me. Boring. Sorry.
0: No, that's that's fine. I mean, again, it's it's it is a simple and tight and satisfying movie. And I don't think it overstays its welcome at all. Um, it's a nice, tight little thriller. That you don't even fully understand as a thriller while you're watching it, you know?
1: And then you suddenly do.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there's, But yeah, there's not a lot to dislike, really. Um, and and like, yeah, like, as you said, Matt, there are some questions, but they're definitely purposely left open. Like, for a while, I thought there was going to be this big twist coming with Jason Siegel because they kept being like, um, how did you know we weren't supposed to be here and all this stuff? Yeah. Um, so it definitely implied that he had some inside information. And so for a little while, I thought there was going to be a twist that him and lily collins knew each other and that's why there was the question about the tattoo on her ankle or something Mm, like that but then it obviously turns out that that's not the case and that and then i was like oh okay it's left ambiguous on purpose he's supposed to be like an everyman he's 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 nobody they even credit him as nobody in the movie um Is he supposed to be literally any normal person who gets screwed over by someone like Jesse Plemons's character?
2: Yeah, and
0: so it, yeah, I was confused, but it was purposeful. Um, and something I like disliked, but it was again, it, I'm supposed to dislike it, was that the gardener seemed like such a wonderful person and an incredible gardener, and the only reason that Jesse Plemons gave him the time of the day was that in that in any of the movie was because he was trying to get help with this situation.
1: He was using somebody. Yeah.
0: It was just so slimy and disgusting and it was completely on purpose, but it just, it just bothered me, which is exactly what they wanted it to do. So that's great. I mean, and,
1: and nobody, nobody and his wife and Lily Collins like say as much.
0: Yeah. Yeah. They do call him out on it. And, and it was just like, so yeah, it was like, it was perfectly descriptive of the kind of character Jesse Plemons was playing. Um, but it made me feel really bad for the gardener, um, and that's the only time I felt bad for him. No other time, and um, <laughs> and also, I guess cu- a couple things I was confused about. Um, they never explain the camera on the tree, right?
2: No, no. But uh, he just swears
0: uh, yeah. that he doesn't have security cameras.
1: Yeah, right. No, no. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's just I thought it was just to show you, just that Jesse Plemons is a real pos and lies about everything. So then right. there you go. You know.
0: But I was just like, wait, so. Is, why is Je- why is Jason Siegel even bothering at this point because he was caught on camera even with his car. Yeah. So I I, I guess I was kind of confused about that, but whatever.
1: I think it was I th- I thought the motivation there would be like this isn't now the like I'm not getting away scot free. Yeah. Right, like, so at is, least maybe
0: he can go on the run.
1: This is a loose end. This is a big loose end. Right. Yeah.
0: Um and I noticed a uh, lots of shots of feet, especially Lily Collins. I'm assuming that was supposed to be like crossing lines because they kept talking about crossing lines. Remember Mm. that? Yeah. And they showed like her feet at the end and like right at the edge of the of the like step, and then then she steps out. So I think that was supposed to be a major theme in the movie about crossing lines. I'm guessing, but I'm just guessing. I don't know if you guys picked up on that. I don't know. It was
1: directed. I mean, the director was was her husband, so I don't know. Yeah, could be. Not he just has a big... foot thing. <laughs>
0: <right>? <laughs> I know, he could just be into feet, who knows?
1: Oh, uh, yeah, I, mean, I Wanted know. Wanting
0: to show off her nice shoes, I don't know. Speaking of nice shoes, possibly, uh, <laughs> would, <laughs> would you give any random aesthetic choices in Windfall a Breaky Award in honor of the Windbreakers in the Neil Blomkamp movie Demonic?
2: I feel like the whole movie is very aesthetic, and it's very beautiful and nice looking, and the light is very nice, and, you know, that, that California sunshine just looks so nice. But you know those fucking sneakers that Jesse Plemons has on.
1: <laughs>
2: I mean, I suppose this counts as a um, as a crony for me more than a breaky. But I'll give it a breaky just because you know. But yeah, what goofy sneakers?
0: Yeah, and apparently that was his suggestion.
2: <laughs> oh, that's to funny. like
0: complete the character. Yeah,
2: like totally. Like they're supposed to be like you know thousand dollar like like, Nikes or something that, like, fame, like, <laughs> yeah. like you know, like, that, like, Kanye West swears or something. Um, yeah, so Right,
1: funny. right. Uh, I was gonna say that, what was it? I was, like, on the wall, it was, like, the, the, the gold sunburst uh, wall, like, on the oh, ornament fuck. on the wall. Like, I can't remember if it was a clock or not, but that just sticks out of me. It's a mid-century. I'm on a mid-century modern kicks, and now yeah. it just grabbed me. Yeah,
0: <laughs> I roughly remember what you're talking about. But yeah, I do remember everything inside the house generally looked great. Yeah. Yeah, I I mean, a couple different possibilities here. But yeah, like, breaky for that entire house and property. He even had his own little fucking, like, campground on it.
2: Yeah, I know. With little cabins. Those, like, little cabins. Like, that's all I want is, like, a shack somewhere, you know?
0: Yeah, (laughs) Jesus. And he's got multiple cabins he can choose from near his beautiful house. Like, wow, Jesus Christ. So, yeah, that was all great. I guess her shoes were nice since they kept showing them to us. I thought <laughs> that the choice of Jason Siegel's car was a very good aesthetic choice because it it was like a like late nineties model sedan, and so you immediately are like, oh, this guy that's a like that's like a hand me down car he can he doesn't have drive anything new. This is clearly a guy who doesn't come from money, you know like." I-, I thought that was a very smart aesthetic choice. Yeah, and yeah, I think, but I think I give my breakie to Jesse Plemons's outfit altogether, including the shoes. It was just like the like the white jeans and like the button-up shirt, it with like untucked, like fancy button-up untucked shirt with those sneakers. There was just he just perfectly fit the part, especially because Jesse Plemons tends to not play those kinds of characters, and he just. He was just perfect, and, and the outfit did some of the work already, so yeah. I thought that was great. All right, so I, I mean, I feel like I know the answer to this. Uh, would you guys recommend Windfall?
1: Yes. Hell yeah. <laughs> Especially if you're in the mood for some citrus fruit. Oh my god, yes. Yeah, oh so yeah, much citrus the fruit.
2: orange grove. So nice.
0: <laughs> it was nice. <laughs> and Jason Siegel was having so much fun just hanging out in it at first. I know.
2: Oh look, Enjoying there's an the orange. I'm going to eat the orange. Look, there's yeah. another orange. I'm going to eat that orange. <laughs>
0: Showing that he appreciates that, which was also character based. He was appreciating this stuff that the other guy doesn't even think is that big of a deal.
2: Mm, exactly. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. Surprisingly smart little, smart little movie. Um, I would recommend it as well. For sure. Nice little simple, you know, 90 minute thriller or whatever you want to call it. Slow burn thriller. Sure.
1: Yeah, sure. It's slow burn until it's not.
0: Yeah. <laughs> until it's not and then it's on fire. Yeah. To be I don't want anyone to think that anything like super crazy happens near the end, but it just, it, it amps up. We'll just say that. Yeah. All right. Uh, before we go, did either of you watch any other movies this week that you'd like to quickly recommend?
2: No, I did not.
0: Before I forget about it, I'll mention that I finally saw Studio 666.
2: Oh. Oh, wow.
0: Nice. And uh, not that I expected it to be particularly good, but it was like not good. Mm. It's like their version of m- one of the movies we would have made in high school, um wow. but with resources and money. <laughs> um it's like super messy and like it seems like they're all having fun, but it's just like the kind of thing where it's like it's one thing when a movie is like dumb almost by accident, it's another thing when it seems like kind of dumb almost on purpose and they still seem to think it should be worth your time. Yeah. It was just kind of like icky i but you know i i'm a huge foo fighters fan and i i purposely watched it after taylor hawkins died because i was like oh i want to watch this now because we lost taylor mm-hmm. um and it was kind of nice to see him in it and uh the i will say that the fake band that they made for the movie dream widow the album that they put out for it is fucking sick if anyone has not heard it nice. i highly recommend that
2: nice like the jacket it
0: keeps me safe when I'm jogging at night. Up, oh, the sound of Jim Carrey saying one of his great lines from Batman Forever means we are out of time. We'll be back next Monday with a new episode, assuming we don't accidentally kill ourselves by running, tripping, and crashing through a window before that. If you have any questions for me, Matt, or Tim, you can reach us through our email, aiptmoviespod at gmail.com, or find us on Twitter at aiptmoviespod. If you like this podcast or any of the other great podcast articles or features on AIPT, you can help support the site and the people who work on it by signing up for a Patreon at patreon.com slash Comics. Thanks for listening, and don't forget, it's okay to love movies. They may not be able to love you back, but they'll always be there for
1: you. Bye. Goodbye.